Tiki Hut Media. Hey there, welcome into Soul Ramblings Podcast. I'm Jerry Wicker. We're in week four of our series called God Is, and this is where we're spending some time for these six weeks together discovering how we can fill in that space. God is blank. How do we fill in the blank? And we're filling that in with truth each and every week. I'll give you a heads up. A couple of the sermon that's coming up here in a little bit is from actually a couple of months ago in July. My wife, Beth, and I made the announcement that the week before this sermon that we would be moving back to Tennessee in August. And as of the airing of this episode, we are back in Tennessee, and we are so happy to be back home after 10 years in Florida. And so that is mentioned in the sermon, and we talk about a message you don't want to hear in today's sermon. That's coming up here in the next few minutes. And as we continue discovering different attributes of who God is during this series, we see that God has always wanted to be in relationship with humans, and we see that desire manifesting in different ways over time. In the beginning, God lived and walked among Adam and Eve in the garden. When they sinned, it broke our relationship with him, but didn't stop his plan to be close to us. God the Father sent Jesus to earth to fix our relationship with him. And in one of Jesus' last statements on earth, he promised to be with us always. Even better than that, he promised his followers that they would receive the Holy Spirit, who would be God in us. When we follow Christ, God's Holy Spirit isn't just with us, he's inside of us. In the Old Testament, the people had to go through the or go to the temple to experience the presence of God. But now, when we accept Jesus, we are temples where the Holy Spirit of God lives. All along, God wanted to be close to us, and through Jesus, that has become a reality again. And although we eagerly await a day in which God will renew all things so that we can live with him in his perfect kingdom, we're not idly waiting until that happens. God has given us work to do, and we're going to talk about that in the sermon coming up. From the beginning, he has wanted humans to rule over creation. He's given us gifts and assignments to do his work while we're here on earth. So salvation isn't just a ticket to heaven. It's an invitation to get to work, bringing more of heaven here on earth. And as we do, we won't be working in our own feeble power. We'll be partnering with God, relying on his spirit within us to do anything. Apart from God, we can't do anything. But as temples of the living God, with his spirit living in us, we can do more than we thought possible. We're often tempted to think as of God as a distant being somewhere in the sky, the big guy in the sky, even referring to him as the big guy upstairs. But no, our God is here. And when we know God's presence is with us and in us, we can get to work on the purpose he has set for us, sharing his good news with others and bringing more of his goodness here on earth. As we lean into God's presence today, pay special attention to anything you feel the Spirit is prompting you to do. Then ask him for the courage to do it. And now let's head over to the sanctuary for a message you don't want to hear.
our scripture reading for the morning is from the Old Testament book of Isaiah, chapter 6, the first eight verses. Let us hear these holy words. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him, each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the thresholds shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lip, your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. The word of God for the people of God. Good and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of these our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock, our strength, and our Redeemer. Amen. There was a young preacher when he had just finished seminary. He got his first pastoral appointment in the hills of Kentucky, wanting to be an effective preacher. And when it's your first appointment, your first couple of Sundays, you think you need to tell the congregation everything you think you know. So he went that first Sunday, and he knew he had a fiery sermon under his belt, and he wanted to make an effect, make an impact. He walked up to the pulpit on that first Sunday, and he started preaching on the evils of smoking. When he finished his message, telling about how this is just a terrible thing and it is such a sin, some of the church leaders, as they sometimes do, not here, but other places I understand, uh, some of the church leaders met him after service. So, you know, we're a little surprised that you decided to deal with the subject of smoking because nearly half the state of Kentucky gets its revenue from tobacco. You might want to think twice about talking about smoking tobacco from the pulpit. The young pastor said, oh, okay, thank you for enlightening me. The next Sunday he came back and he figured, okay, that's a message they don't want to hear. I'll preach one. I'll preach one they'll want to hear this Sunday. He preached that second Sunday against liquor and drinking. 
with great fervor and fire in his belly, he preached on the ills of whiskey. Again, as church leaders in other churches, not here, do, but they met him after service and said, uh, we think we need to tell you that you ought to be careful about preaching against alcoholic beverages, especially here since nearly a third of our county distills whiskey. I did not know that, the young preacher replied. Thank you for helping me. Again, a message they didn't want to hear. He came back the next Sunday. He said, I know I've got one they'll want to hear this time. Third Sunday. Starts preaching a stirring sermon on the sin and ills of gambling in any shape or form. The lottery, racehorses, any other form of gambling. It's a sin, he said. Again, other churches do this, not here, but the church leaders met with him again after that third Sunday and said, we think we need to tell you that over half our county raises thoroughbred horses. So you might want to be real careful about talking about gambling and racehorse betting from this pulpit. Another message they didn't want to hear. Well, I can assure you today, if you're getting a little uncomfortable, that I'm not going to preach on all the evils of the world this morning. Not today, anyway. I still have a couple of more weeks, so we'll see what happens. But it is a message that is difficult for us to hear nonetheless. You see, we are here this morning, and we're really here at Manatee Life Church at the beginning of something new. And I'm sure many of you, since Beth and I made the announcement last week that we are moving back to Tennessee at the 1st of August, are wondering about what changes are coming here in the next few weeks. They're coming pretty quickly. You've been wondering all week, no doubt. And there are other lingering questions. Uh, we wonder what the future holds. What will our new pastor be like? I know him. He's fantastic, by the way. Will we have to change? Is he going to make changes? Yes. Are we going to be able to work together with him? What's going to happen? Where is God in all this transition? We're in a message series called God Is. And we're talking about the different attributes of God. And the one I'm going to share with you today, some say, is the least popular attribute of God. I want to warn you, though, and I want to help you prepare your heart. Because when you experience this attribute of God, it is likely to shake you. It is bound to stir you up. You see, the attribute of God that we really don't want to hear about. It's difficult for us to hear about, but it's the one we need the most. The attribute of God we're talking about today is the holiness of God. The holiness of God. 
and the change that inevitably comes when we experience the holiness of God. And that word change is what makes this a message we don't want to hear. We can't be the same after we experience the holiness of God. It's impossible. Certainly, we want to know where God is in the midst of this change. Surely God will work in this change to further his kingdom, but what's that going to look like? How's that going to happen? With that question, we go to our text this morning from the prophet Isaiah. The call of the prophet. Some 3,000 plus years ago, there was a man named Isaiah. He heard the voice of the Lord saying to him, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? It is a question that echoes down through the ages to Manatee Life Church in 2023. It is a question asked of every believer and every church. Every day, God wants to know who will be out there working for him. Who will go in his name into the world? On this day, today, and beyond, not just the next couple of weeks, not just in August when Steve starts, but beyond that, we have the opportunity to respond to God's call in new and exciting ways. Here's the question. Will we do it? Will we do it? Isaiah was faced with a mighty call on his life. And this was not easy for him. Just like transition and change are not easy for us, Isaiah had to make a decision, an eternal decision. Would he respond to God's call or not? How many of us have heard God's call on our lives but are still unsure of how to respond? How many of us feel a sense of uncertainty right now, today, wondering, where is God going to lead us now? I know I do. Maybe we're feeling a little bit overwhelmed, wondering if we are really up to this new task that God has set before us. And indeed, at times, God does call us to new places to do new things. And Beth and I believe that is the call God has given us, a place, a time for moving on, new places, new things, to live in a new way. And of course, we proceed with doing our due diligence, we proceed with caution, and we proceed really uncertain of what lies ahead. There are no definites. I've often heard it said there's only two sure things in this world, death and taxes. (laughs) As we look at our Old Testament lesson this morning, we see that this is the same kind of thing that Isaiah was going through by being in the very presence of God. He's overwhelmed by a sense of unworthiness. Ever been there? Overwhelmed by your sense of unworthiness? to be in the presence of God. He sees himself as he truly is, Isaiah does. And he's he's unsure if he's really up to the task that God has given him. Woe to me, Isaiah cries out. I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I hang out with a bunch of people who have unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. But this is where things really take a turn. 
Because God can do something with people who see who they are, who acknowledge who they are, and know that God is calling them to something better. With Isaiah's admitting his unworthiness before God, we see God do for Isaiah that which no person can do for themselves. God forgives Isaiah and makes him clean and therefore makes him worthy. Without warning or explanation, one of the seraphs flies to Isaiah with a live coal in his hand, which had been taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched Isaiah's mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin atoned for. Isaiah had been convinced that the holiness of God was bad news for him. Isaiah was certain that he was not up to it. He was not up to the task that God was setting before him. But in fact, it was just the opposite. You see, the holiness of God is good news. And that's what makes God so great. What makes God so great is not that he exerts his power or forces us to do anything by doting over our our weaknesses and continually pointing them out to us and telling us how awful we are. No. There's nothing unique or unusual about that. There's plenty of people around right now that can tell me plenty of what I do wrong on a daily basis. I hear it all the time. There's nothing unusual about that. We do that to each other. But God is greater than that. God is above that. And what God makes so utterly unique and wonderful and holy is his desire to be merciful and forgiving of all. His desire to work through each person, to share his love with others. That is what the holiness of God is all about. And that is the holiness that God reveals to Isaiah. This is this holiness that God reveals to us each and every day. The holiness at work in this new beginning, in this transition. Surely, we're uncertain of what the future holds. All of us are. We might feel unworthy of the task before us. But in his holiness, in his merciful love, God desires to work through each one of us, through you and through me, through this church, and through all of us together. That's why we're here today. This is why we begin this new endeavor with a new pastor beginning August 1. God has great plans for this church. This church's been around 174 years. He ain't done with it. And the call remains the same, no matter who fills this pulpit. Your call remains the same, Manatee Life Church. It does not change. There are things that Steve's going to want to change. He's a different guy than I am. Expect that. But the call remains the same, no matter who's here. Who will go for me? Who will go for me? This doesn't mean that God's plans have changed. God's plans haven't changed. Or that we weren't fulfilling God's will before. We were. 
It only means that we now have a new opportunity to be even more fully the people that God calls us to be. There is no need for us to feel unworthy because God will make a way for us. The Lord will provide all that we need to be His servants in the world. That's not going to change. Not only did Isaiah realize that he was lost, a sinner, a man of unclean lips, but he also realized that God was calling him, and this totally changed Isaiah's life. Here am I. Send me. Do we have the faith to say this to God as he calls us into his kingdom? Faith trusts that the searing, white-hot holiness of God will not destroy us, but purify us and prepare us. Faith trusts that in the will of God, a way will be made for us to follow. Faith trusts that God's last word to us is a wonderful promise of abundant life. Are we answering God's call on our lives? Are we being the people that God wants us to be? That God knows we can be? This is the question we must answer in the coming weeks, months, and years. Not only for ourselves, but also for our church and our community. You see, Jesus Christ called the church into being so that his work might continue in the world. And we are all one in Christ Jesus. Commissioned to be his hands. Commissioned to be his feet. Without any thought to the building in which we worship. Indeed, we come to this place with a sense of uncertainty and unworthiness. But it's not about us. It's not about us. It's about the world out there. It's about those who aren't in here right now. God has called us to serve our community and our world in His name, to spread His holiness throughout the land. And the body of Christ is stronger when it is united. No more division, no more arguing and backbiting and gossiping and leaving the church because the color of the carpet doesn't, you don't like that. No more of that. It's time to answer God's call. It's not about us. It's not about our building. It's about those out there who are lost and who are dying. That mission has never changed, nor will it ever change. We have got to make a decision to respond to this call. We have to make a decision to be faithful to God. Are we willing, like Isaiah, to respond to God and say, Here am I. Send me. Here am I, O God. Send me. When we can respond with faith to God's call on our lives and in the life of the church, amazing things are going to happen. Hold on to your hat. It's going to get good. My friends, be ready. Get ready. Because God is up to something big around here. He really is. In my short time here, He is up to something. And Pastor Steve is coming on board to take the reins to guide you through. But Jesus will continue to be uplifted. The cross is still going to be the center focus. The Word of God is still going to be the center focus. And the mission has not changed. The call has not changed, nor will it ever. So, I tell you this, discouraged. If you're discouraged, cheer up. 
Dishonest folks, it's time to fess up. Sour folks, it's time for you to sweeten up. Closed folk, it's time for you to open up. Conflicted folk, you got a conflict with somebody, a brother or sister here at church, it's time to make up. Sleeping folks, it's time for you to wake up. Lukewarm folks, it's time to light that fire and fire up. Dry bones, it's time for you to shape up. And if you're a pew potato, it's time for you to stand up and get moving. We have work to do. Christ, the Savior of the world, is to be lifted up first and foremost. And he, here's how it's going to happen. It's through our response to God's call and our united efforts. When the people of God unite and allow the Spirit to take hold, amazing things happen. Barriers are broken. Communities are formed. Opposites are reconciled. Unity is established. Disease is cured. Addiction is broken. Cities are renewed. Races are reconciled. Hope is established. People are blessed. And church happens. Today we unite as one in Christ Jesus. Today the Spirit of God is present in this place in a new and special way. And well, the next couple of weeks, while I'm still with you, and then beginning in August, I can tell you, this will remain the same. We're going to have church. We're going to have church. We're going to be church. Say it with me. Here am I. Send us. Here we are, God. Send us. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you never let us sit idle, that you are ever so willing to love and forgive us and call us to new obedience. We praise you that you have a plan and a call on each of our lives and in the life of your church. Make us sensitive to your call and obedient to your will in Jesus' name. Amen. Be sure to join us next week when we continue with week five of our series, God Is, when we look at God Is, where to go when you're frustrated. Be sure to check it out. I want to thank you for the gift and privilege of your time today. Hey, get social with us on Facebook and Instagram. Got links to those pages in the show notes of this episode. Go over there and like those pages and follow us. Also, wherever you're listening today, be sure to go and click subscribe. That way you never miss a new episode of Soul Ramblings Podcast. And before we head out for today, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. That's Philippians 4.8, and that is the message translation of the Bible. I'm Jerry Wicker. I'll see you next week on Soul Ramblings Podcast. Until then, grace and peace.
Thanks for listening to Soul Ramblings with Jerry Wicker. Download new episodes every week. And if you haven't already, subscribe and be sure to leave us a rating and review. Soul Ramblings is a Tiki Hut Media production. Thank you.